Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. I am your host, your Divorce Survival Guide, Kate Anthony. (laughs) You guys, times are cray. Times be cray. I don't know about you, but um, I'm really kind of struggling to work. (laughs) to feel like um, focused on getting anything done. I'm noticing my focus is really, really um, scattered. And I'm not being particularly productive. And I'm just trying to give myself a little bit of a break on that. And I hope that if you are feeling that way too, um, you know, if you're, if you're homeschooling and working from home and panicking about a pandemic, you know, that's a lot right there. I know that I'm just not, I kind of feel like I'm not really doing anything really well. And I'm trying not to beat myself up about it because we're in a fucking pandemic. (laughs) Like, you know, if you're not going to be doing things well, now's, you know, now's pretty much the time um, to give yourself a pass. That's what I have to say to you. Um, So, Today is our last episode in therapy month. Now, that's not to say that we will not have future therapy months down the road, because I'm sure we will. Um, but I am super excited today to bring you my interview with my dear friend, Gwen Ramondi. Um, Gwen is a therapist, obviously, because <laughs> she's rounding out therapy month, and she specializes in complex trauma. Um She also specializes in grief, embodiment, and how they um, intersect with trauma. Um, She is systems-focused, and she explores how the greater world impacts and influences individuals, how the trauma we have experienced influences our relationships with others, hello, um, our relationships with ourselves and the world, and how living in our current patriarchal, authoritarian, white supremacist culture exacerbates the lived experience and ancestral trauma that lives within us. So y'all know that's right up my alley, right? Um, complex trauma is essentially the thing that almost every one of us deals with on some level. I don't know anybody who has not been affected by some form of complex trauma. And, you know, I think we start off this episode really sort of defining what trauma is. And it's really important for you guys to hear this because it's not what you think. It's just not what you think. Um, we all have it. We all suffer from it um, to varying degrees, for sure. But most of us have it, especially those of us who are in um, relationships that are certainly abusive. Um, there's so much trauma that comes along with that, but also that has led us there, right? It's our, usually our childhood trauma that leads us to be in relationships um, like these. And, you know, that trauma can look like neglect. It can look like you know, all sorts of things. So, um, you know, I could talk about it or I could just shut up and give you my interview. <laughs> I'm going to play my interview with the expert on trauma. Um, but, you know, before I do, I just want to say that Gwen has an amazing in- Instagram account. She also has a Facebook group. Um, she also posts everything on her Facebook page. And I, I highly recommend everyone following her somewhere. Because her, the way that she talks about trauma, she also gives such um, insight in how to regulate your central nervous system, which is the thing that gets activated in trauma. And so 
seriously, find her on all the platforms. Give her a follow. She also has a deck of cards, which I think is super, super cool, um, that you can just pull a card and like regulate your, your nervous system with very simple exercises. So she is my go-to person on all things complex trauma, and I think she should be yours as well. So here we are. Give a listen to my interview with Gwen Ramondi. Gwen, thank you so much for being here to talk about trauma. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so excited. I am actually. But <laughs> no, I I am too, actually. It's it's hard. I'm feeling it right now, actually. I gotta tell you, like I think I told you before we started recording, I'm 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 feeling it a little bit today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, that's what we're talking about. You know, yeah. so let's let's start from the beginning. Okay. Because so many people, and myself included, for for many years, thought think that trauma is like you were raped, you were uh, like sudden trauma, right? You right. were hit by a car, your grandfather, you know, your father died in front of you, right? Like right, right. really serious, like sudden trauma, and that's the only kind of trauma that we sort of seem to think of. I think that culturally right. we're shifting a little bit, yeah. but. Yeah. Yeah. So can you def- what is trauma? So trauma, um, I believe, I think it's Levine's definition of trauma that I, I, I think it's, I think that he is the one who said this. Um, <laughs> and that trauma is any event that we don't bounce back from. Mm. We can't just immediately, like our resilience doesn't just kick in and we're like, even if we're feeling sad, even if we're mad, even if we feel the things, right, we still are bouncing back, right? And right. so any event that impacts us in a way that just gets us stuck um, is considered traumatic. So it can be the big things like rape, car accidents, your house burns down, um, you know, like all of those things. It can be the big things we think about in childhood, like being physically abused or sexually abused um, as a kid. And it's also all those little insidious things, right? So when we think about childhood trauma, people generally just think about abuse. And it's greater than that, right? Because if even if your parent or caregiver never once hit you or never once, you know, was inappropriate with you physically in any way, if they yelled a lot, that can be traumatic. Yeah. Because it, 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 produ- it puts our system in a fight-flight mode. It increases our cortisol, our adrenaline goes. And if that's happening a lot and we aren't getting enough recovery time when we're little, you know, to in between the yelling bouts, having a parent that yelled a lot yeah, is dramatic, even if they aren't yelling at us. Like yeah. it's like the, you know, they stub their toe on the wall and they scream at the wall, like those kinds of things, if they're happening over and over and over again and making our system get impacted over and over and over again, that, that produces a trauma response. And what about like less overt, right? Kinds of things like criticism or, yeah, those- right? Like just like things that are sort of again, like less. Yeah. uh, Neglect is a big thing, right? People think that neglect is um, not as bad, as bad, all the air quotes, right? As being physically abused, but that's not true because the whole, you know, what we're talking about is called, has been now called complex trauma is what we're talking about. Childhood, anything that happens when we're young, when our brains are developing um, and, And all of these events impact the way our brains then are wired, right? Like, is there anyone on earth who doesn't have complex trauma? Um, My argument would be no, there's not. (laughs) I mean, I literally can't think of like, I'm like, who who exists like that? Right, right. You know, Um, yes, right? Being criticized and neglect. And um, because all of this is about when we're kids, we rely on our caretakers to keep us alive. So if there is anything that threatens or we perceive to threaten our caretaker giving us food, shelter, protection, then that 
that puts us into a fight flight response that puts us into that survival response and that constant being put in that survival response is, is the trauma. That is where the trauma is. So, right. so can you define that, the, the fight, flight, or freeze, the, the trauma response? Like what, what, can you talk about what's actually happening in our bodies and in our brains? Yeah. So what's happening is that, so, so, so the brain can be split up into many different sections, right? But when we talk about trauma, we kind of, we talk about three sections. We talk about front brain, which is prefrontal cortex, where all of our logic and reasoning and problem solving and creativity and all the like, all, all of our evolvedness lives. And then there's midbrain, which is a translator. And then we have back brain and back brain is all about survival. Sometimes back brain is called our reptilian brain. Or that's the lizard brain, right? That's our lizard brain, right? Mm-hmm. That's all about, I just have to keep breathing so that I can reproduce. I mean, that is literally what this survival response is about. Mm-hmm. Um, midbrain is supposed to be the translator between front and back because they can't talk to each other directly. We can't, um, for whatever reasons, our brains weren't made that way. So well, I think for I think for good reason, right? Like because, yeah. because when the back brain, this is the amygdala, right? When that right. takes over, it is about survival, and we can't fucking think about it. Right, right. Um, to if analyze, we are actually in a survival. If we are actually in a survival situation, right? That's right. where it gets fucked up. Is because. Right. And why we need midbrain to be doing that translating because we can be in a situation where um, we're having a political debate, right? And there's no physical threat to us whatsoever. Like we are perfectly physically safe and yet we are totally activated. Our system is in survival mode. We're freaking the fuck out. And all we're doing is talking about all we're doing is talking on the internet. <laughs> all we're doing is talking on the internet. That's all we're doing, right? But, um, right? And so so we need this midbrain to be active so that we can have that conversation between our front and back so that we can um, – one thing that uh, so many of my clients experience is, um, is like panic or anxiety attacks. And – they come out of nowhere, right? And the per, you know, we and this ha- has happened to me. I couldn't even tell you how many times, right? Where we're in a perfectly safe space. There's no actual threat happening. We're not even arguing with someone. Like there's no there's no threat to us whatsoever, and we go into panic mode for whatever reasons, right? And so what we want to be able to do is talk ourselves down out of that tree, right? We want to be able to then regulate our system. We want to be able to calm ourselves down. We want to remind ourselves, no, I'm actually in a physically safe space. I'm not in harm's way, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we have to have midbrain working to be able to get front brain to talk to back brain. Because what will happen, what's happened to me and so many people I know, is that we go into panic and we're sitting there and we're having that conversation in front brain. Like, what the fuck is wrong? I'm totally fine. There's no reason for me to be freaking out right now. Why am I freaking out? This is stupid that I'm freaking out. You know, blah, 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 blah. And our body continues <laughs> to, to, you to know, pump the cortisol, the adrenaline, the cortisol and the adrenaline and our breathing gets shallower and shallower and our heartbeat gets faster and faster. Right. You know, even though in logic brain, we're like, but we're fine mm. in here. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to have this conversation between front and back brain because we are in because when we are in situations where we are physically safe, we need to be able to do that. Yes. Right. And so, so this is really, I mean, this is really interesting, obviously, um, because I think it takes something. I think that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it takes a level of, mm, I don't know what, what it is, um, development of the, of the, the front brain. Mm-hmm. to be able to recognize that actually there is no threat, right? So right. when we get triggered, when there is a, when let's say there is a threat, a perceived right. threat, right? right? 
in a relationship, right? And this is, right. we're going to get to this, I guess, in a minute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How it manifests in our relationships where somebody says something, we get triggered. And if we don't have that front part of our brain developed in, and this is, I think, part of what emotional intelligence does yeah. and gives yeah. us, right? Um, we're just simply acting from that back brain. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it, it takes something and it takes work, I think, right. Would be to build those neural pathways Yes, to actually connect the two. Yeah. Through the the middle brain. Yeah. It takes, it does take work and it takes, it takes, um, it takes somatic work. So any sort of body centered mindfulness type of work that, that encourages you to be present within your body, to like come back in, to be embodied, to be here, to be now, right. Versus how many of us live out here. I, nobody can see what I'm doing, but out here in the, you know, out above and beyond ourselves, right. Right. We are present. We're in the past, we're in the future, we're floating out in space, we're like wherever the fuck we are, we aren't here. Um, And so in order to get, so it's kind of chicken and egg, right? Because we got to get here and we got to build the new neural paths and we need the new neural paths to be able to be more present. And the more present we are, the more neural paths we grow, right? And on and on and on. So there's there's something to be said, obviously. I think right for con- use building those 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 neural paths between right when you're not in crisis. Right. I mean, and that's the only time you can. Right. That's the and only so, time you can. So that so that when you're in crisis, you can call upon that um, yeah. muscle that you've already built. Yeah. Exactly. And that and sort of so it so it sounds to me like you're we're talking about mindfulness. Yeah. Sure. I In a way, word, or yes. <laughs> what, you what? You don't like that word? I, I, I kind of I shy away from mindfulness. But <laughs> no, great. But, no, that's but, why I'm asking. Not because I, I think that I think that I, I think that it got really bastardized when it became popular here in the uh-huh. state. Right. Sure. I really do. I think that it did. But and um, it is. It is mindfulness. It is being present right? It's being, but it's more than just being mindful because being mindful is being in your head. It's having a body centered mindfulness of being present in your body. So not only can I think all the great thoughts that I think, I can feel all these amazing sensations. And I'm using some sarcasm there that are coursing through my body, right? Um, and I've, I've written and talked about before how, you know, this is, this is both about pleasure and uncomfortable and, and discomfort, right? That we can't really feel one without the other. Right. And that even, even when, when, we, um, when we begin the embodiment work and really start coming in to ourselves and being present, even pleasure can feel uncomfortable because it's a feeling. We're feeling something. And that's not comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's a, quote, good feeling or if it's a, quote, bad feeling. I don't think there's good and bad feelings, but there's comfortable and uncomfortable, right? Right. Um, yes. the, it all feels uncomfortable at first because it's new and it's yes. different. Especially and it's when you are completely disembodied. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I say that from a lot of experience to have been in a position for so much of my, I, I used to say that I felt like I was a head on legs. Yeah. Because I felt so disconnected from anything mm-hmm. uh, that was really the core of me. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And, um, and so, okay. So how do you do that? Right. Cause I know that you have, you know, embodiment, embodied right. <laughs> trauma. This is your, this is your thing. This is your, yeah. this is your, um, your realm. Right. So, so what does that look like? So, well, there's, so there's many different approaches. There's many different body centered mindfulness approaches. There's, you know, the popular ones that most people know about are somatic experiencing. Um, some people know about sensory motor approach. Um, who's the other, um, EMDR, you know, mm-hmm. the eye movement one, yeah. um, any of those, and then I could list for hours, like, you know, all of the different approaches, um, which essentially comes down to learning how to sit or stand or whatever, lie, and be still, 
and feel our emotions and all the physical sensations that come with them. Right. That Awful. <laughs> it is. It's awful. It is. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I tell people all the time, yeah, this sucks. This, <laughs> it sucks. Totally. Totally. Like, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been going through this whole grief thing because it's my life, because life has grief. And, like, I'm like, this is bullshit. Whose idea? Whose fucking idea was it for me to feel my feelings? Like, who, who came up with this? Because this is crap. Isn't it the worst? I mean, you and I are in, you know, such, because we're in similar uh, fields, right? That we have to feel all this shit. And every once in a while, we have to deal with it. Like when something else crops itself up and you're like, oh, look, there's another thing I have to deal with. I, the number of times I've said to myself, like, oh my God, why can't I just go back to being completely ignorant? And like... <laughs> opened this Pandora's box 20 some odd years ago. And I just want to fucking close it and put it away. I'm so done. So over it. Yeah. I totally, I get it. it. I get it. Head on legs thing. It was kind of fine. It was easy. It was so easy, but it wasn't. And it wasn't. And it wasn't right. Because it totally impacts then the way that we're able to relate with ourselves, the way we're able to relate with our world, the way we're able to relate with other humans. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so it's that like, yeah, because we're, we're then, we're then reactionary. Right. 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 At this point in our lives, you and I get to go, Oh shit, there's that thing. And now I have to deal with it. I have to go back to therapy. I have to do this work. I have to do this. We know what to do. And we're like, but when we go do it. Right. 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 But if we, if we, and then we get to man, we get to sort of be at choice and in right. some, you know, quote yes. control. And again, air, right. big air quotes over control, but right, right. otherwise it is completely controlling us. Yeah, that's for sure. Right. It's running us. It's running, uh-huh. it's running, it's running our lives and it's running, it's running our relationships. It's running, it's running what? careers we choose it's re- like you know it the illnesses runs, we get right the illnesses we get yeah all of it like yeah it, and so you know like I I half-heartedly joke god I wish I could be 20 and losing my shit again at any singular person who like happened to piss me off that day and everybody would be joyous oh yeah that's Gwen right you know she loses her shit like right, right. but right and also like that's not how I want to be in relationship in my forties, really close to fifties. Like that's not. That's, that's not you're right. It's not who. No, it's not. It's not who we're committed to being. I mean, obviously, because right. um, we're in this field. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how it how it actually impacts your relationships. How trauma. So I mean, essentially, like something happens or things continue to happen, right? And they create this, what? This sort of broken part, like something is not, it creates something in us called trauma. This thing called trauma, right? Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? You were going to identify it better. I was going to, I was going to say that it it creates attachment issues. So um, as in actual attachment theory, not in the mindful Zen non-attachment bullshit thing, which no. I have issues with them too. <laughs> but like, I'm completely unattached to how this. Yeah, happens. yeah. What the fuck ever. Anyways, yeah. um, so, um, <laughs> but and and attachment. The attachment I'm talking about is 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 how we relate to people and how we're able to connect with people and how we're able to um, be in meaningful and vulnerable and open, you know, relationship with others. Um, whether that be uh, sexually intimate partners or friends or family, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and we all have these attachment wounds or attachment trauma, which all stand, you know, it's all part of this complex childhood stuff. Right. And, um, and attachment is specifically how we relate to other people. Right. Right. So we, um, so in adults, they've, they've, have uh, named four different attachment styles. So there's securely attached people who are these, you know, magical who unicorns are these who don't unicorns? exist, right? Who are they? <laughs> Whatever. I know no, one. I, mean, I, I think I know one. I think I know one. 
some. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I mean, and I'm getting there, right? You can become more and more securely yes. attached, right? Yes, this yes. me too, me too, thing, exactly. Right? And I yeah. think you and I are like proof that like, oh, look, we can, a- yeah. you can actually change from like crazy fucking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, yeah. you like, know, borderline psychotic sometimes. Borderline I mean, psychotic. On my past. Like, oh, just oh mine too. Oh, mine yeah, too. You know, and, and, you know, part of that is developmental. Part of that is, um, going into a lot of fucking therapy and doing the work. Right. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, 100%. You know, there's, there's different aspects, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So there's securely, okay, so there's, so there's, there's securely attached unicorns yes. and then there's, and then there's the three insecure attachment styles. One is anxious and anxious attachment style ultimately looks like um what we call clingy Mm. yeah so like so like the whole like you didn't call me you know i texted you and you haven't texted me back within 30 seconds you know it's that i mean that's an extreme right but well i mean yeah it is but it's man i i mean and it's and it's not just and and actually the experience so that's what it looks like from the outside the inside is i texted him he's not texting me back and i'm getting increasingly panicked and i'm making stories in my head and he's abandoning me this is abandonment issues yeah yeah. you know we call them daddy issues sometimes right um right this is like and i know this one so well um but it's it's actual it's panic yeah it is panic and it is oh god it's debilitating anyway it is and it's awful it's an awful place to be right it is it is yeah um so there's so there's insecure, anxious. So that's one. And then there's two insecure avoidance. And one of them is dismissive and the other is fearful. And dismissive, av- avoidant, dismissive, dismissive, avoidant. I don't remember which way it goes. It doesn't matter. Um, are the people who um, you get in a, you start to get into an argument and they just, they just, they're gone. Yeah. They check the fuck out. They're right. out of there. They may physically leave. They may, you know, hang up the phone. They won't talk to you. Like they, and, and what's going on for them is their system is so flooded and overwhelmed with all this sensory input that they have to step away so that they can like get their heads clear because literally, you know, in either, in any of these insecure states, our heads are just like all over the fucking place. Right. And it's, and it's also, I mean, is that a fight, flight, or a freeze? Like they're freezing? They're um, like, it's, it's a flight. That's it's a, a flight. flight. It's a flight. It's a flight. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Got it. And yep. then, um, and whereas we could see anxious as more of a fight, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because, yes. We're like. Where, where anxious can show up. Yeah. It's like, I'm grabbing for you. I'm grabbing for you. And what that grabbing can look like even is I'm going to pick a fight for you with you because I just want you to respond. Yes. I just want something. Yep. I don't even care if it's you screaming at me that I'm a horrible person. I need a response. And this used to happen all the time with me and my ex. Me? It was so, it was so, <laughs> like, we are so fucking textbook. I'm not kidding. Our, th- our couple's therapists were all like, you guys are like, you're textbook. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we are. <laughs> right? so we didn't even know, like, I mean, I know that when, when, when my, my ex and I were like this too, in the beginning, right. In the first, like, I don't know, a few years. And this was 20 years ago for me. Um, but attachments, attachment theory is really new. So it's new in pop culture. Like nobody, nobody used these words. And we saw lots of therapists. (laughs) Nobody nobody used these words. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, Anyway. So, so that there's the avoidant dismissive. And then there's the avoidant fearful and avoidant fearful looks like a combination of anxious and dismissive. Mm. And what it is, is it's okay. I'm feeling abandoned by you for whatever reason. So I'm going to come towards you in whatever ways I come towards you. And then you start coming back towards me in whatever way you do that. And then I'm out of here. So it's this push pull. Yes. I had an ex like that. That was my trauma bond for all of you guys who remember the trauma bond episode. That was my trauma bond relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. And my, my ex and I were, he, um, I think that really I am a more a fear of fearful avoidant attachment style, but it was all anxious with him uh-huh. because he, we would get into a, you know, there is something would happen. I'd poke, I'd poke, I'd poke, I'd poke, I'd poke. He'd finally fucking react. Right. And I'm not kidding you. It was like this, like snap of the fingers. My entire system was calm. Wow. He would be standing there screaming at the top of his lungs at me, like all of a sudden. And I'd just be like, oh, I got thank it. God he's here. Right. And that's, that's exactly what it was, was like, okay, he's fucking finally present. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, and it was, I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. Like how, how that. <laughs> how, we're geeks, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, total geek, right? How that worked because it was like, I was so worked up. Like I thought I was going to fucking die if I didn't, if he didn't like somehow like respond to me. Sure. And then he does in a way that, you know, not a nice way, right? Because also, you know, he was getting poked. He was getting needled. He was getting, you know, I was picking the fight here. He responds to it. And I'm like, okay, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, um. (laughs) We are not good. Oh my God. And so that, you know, that shows up over and over and over. And, um, and we, you know, and that's how, that's where doing any sort of body centered mindfulness work is really important. That's where nervous system regulation comes in, like learning how to self-regulate and self-soothe in ways that aren't ultimately harmful. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we all pick yes. up um, many oh, sure. different ways to self-soothe in our lives, some of which are perfectly fine, you know, well, they're all perfectly fine, but um, some of which are not harmful <laughs> and some of which are, right? I mean, we look at addiction and addiction is a coping mechanism. That's what it is. Yep. It's yep. a way to self-regulate and self-soothe. Almost That's all people with addictions suffered some form of trauma. Like yes. it really, yeah. Is the, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the X factor, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know anything about that. Um, no, I <laughs> um but, and, and I think we need to recognize that, that what this looks like is not always alcoholism or drug addiction, right? This is retail therapy. Mm-hmm. We can't afford it. Yes. Right? This is over exercise. Or, or when we can, by the way. Or like, when we can. Right. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't right? matter. Right. right? Um, this is um, over exercising. This is eating disorders. This Hi. is, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, with and eating whatever disorders. that looks yeah. like. And, and eating disorders, I include that like in, in dieting, just like yes. diet culture and extreme dieting. Right. Um, you don't have to be binging or purging or, you know, anorexic. It took me so long to identify my eating disorders because I wasn't, and I didn't, I wasn't anorexic in the way that I had heard defined. Like I didn't look at myself in the mirror and think I was fatter than I was. Um, and I wasn't bulimic. So I was like, well, then I don't have an eating disorder. Right. And you know, it took a long time before I started recognizing or learning about, you know, well, first of all, obsessive diet culture and all of that. And right. that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> or five, really. Or five. Or yeah. five. Exactly. The ongoing yeah. sagas, but yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just wanted to pause and, and sort of state that because I think we do think many people think that eating disorders look like basically one of two things. Right. And they don't. And they don't. Yeah. They just yeah. don't. Yeah. Chronic dieting, chronic exercising, like to like extreme. Yep. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. We should all go on walks and, you know, and do some cardio and, you know, like, yeah, that's, that can be good for us. Yeah. Um, and I want to note actually that exercise can exacerbate our trauma. Um, because what's, ha- I know, isn't that crazy? So it's, what? <laughs> it's, one, of these, it's what? one of these things where, you know, we're told, um, we're told, uh, we've been told, I've been told, you know, oh, if you just exercise, it'll help your depression. Well, this is true if you don't have anxiety and a trauma history, because what's happening is if you like start 
training for a marathon, for example, you're putting, you're telling your body, I'm in flight response. Mm, That's mm, what you're doing. Right. And so then all the cortisol, all the adrenaline, right. It can bring up panic attacks. It can make, it can make, um, the ways that are what's called the window of tolerance that much smaller, um, because we don't, because we're so activated now, Hmm. we've activated ourselves so much. Um, and the whole point of doing self-regulation work, doing this, um, body centered mindfulness work, like my approach is called trauma informed embodiment, right? Doing any of these approaches is to be able to create this, what's called the window of tolerance of a, a thing, an event happens. I don't even, I, I sense that it's bothering me, but I'm not immediately in overwhelm. Yep. Right. So there's a window here where I'm sensing, okay, I'm starting to get upset. What is, and we can take that step back and go, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I and need to calm myself that, down. This right. is that, that conversation between the front and the back parts of the brain that we were talking exactly. about to begin with. Right. We have to have that space in yeah. order to allow for that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the, the greater the window, the greater your window of tolerance, the more you're able to then soothe and calm yourself and then respond instead of react to a situation, right? Because reaction is automatic, whereas responding is that mindful, intentional, thought out somewhat, um, you know, like, yeah. I'm not yeah. losing my shit all over you. I'm like, I've actually took a moment and had a drink of water and took a couple breaths and yes. This, the, the example I always use about this for people just so that I, we can give let's sort of like a concrete like example, right. right. Is that for me, um, my dad was always late to pick me up for his weekends. Oh. My parents were divorced. Um, and he was always late and sometimes didn't show up because oh. he was busy doing other things. <laughs> Um, and so I have very, very, very strong abandonment issues, uh, from that. Right. And so in the beginning of my sort of dating history, right. In my twenties and stuff, or even as a teenager, but more so in my twenties when dating was more sort of dating as opposed to like, you meet a guy and now he's your boyfriend. right? Right. So if a guy was late to come and pick me up or late for a date, I was psycho. I I was reacting from that place of complete and utter abandonment, that little girl waiting for her daddy who never showed up and those feelings of he doesn't love me. He wishes I was never born. He like all of that stuff. Right. And that's the reaction I was having. And so a guy would be late and I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Or like I would be hysterically crying or I would be yelling, but it was like a full blown. Yeah. Like, psychotic episode <laughs> right from the from the outside like from his perspective he was right. like she's fucking crazy right, right. <laughs> you know i'm out right you know, and then by the way i would be abandoned right right um and so it took you know over the years it took years and years for me to go oh look that's my response like th- I'm having a trauma response. I'm freaking out. I can feel the my adrenaline rising. I can feel my heart rate getting, you know, my heart beating mm-hmm. faster. I can, you know, all whatever the whatever the you know somatic expression of this. Right, was. right. Um, and then I could take the space to be like, okay, he's just late. Like right. I don't have to make it mean anything. It's just a it's just that he's late. And then I get the opportunity, and we were talking about you know, how this affects our relationships, right? Right. Then I get the opportunity to say to somebody, hey, guess what? I have this trauma, this thing, this thing. And so it's really important to me that if you're going to be late, you give me a call, you know, or let me know, or that, you know, you try not to be late, (laughs) but if you are, I need, you know, um, you know, and that actually builds yeah. Relationship. That's yeah, how we exactly. build relationship, right? Is that because then, you know, if the guy's like, fuck you, uh, you, you know, whatever, then you're like, thanks, sayonara. I'm, we're not in that. We're yeah. not doing this. Right. But right. You know, give someone an opportunity to go, it, it builds intimacy. It builds trust. Yeah. yeah. All of that. Yeah. All of that. Right? right. And, and it's also true to remember 
that even when we ask a person, one, they don't have to give us our ask, right? I mean, that's one right. thing. Yeah. And then and then exactly. we get to decide if we're staying or not, right? That right. that's a thing. Yeah. And also we can have an ask and they can have they can say, Yes, I can give you that ask. And there's still gonna be times that they're not. Yep. And they can make a counter counter request. Right. right. They can say like, yeah, that's going to be hard for me. So, you know, maybe I could do it this way. Right. They, right. right. And exactly. that's how, but that's how you, cause not everyone's going to step up to the plate with all of your requests at right. all right. times. Right. This right. is how we do relationships. This is what right. they mean by compromise, by the way. Right. It's not that you're giving up something. It's that you're finding the place on the playing field where both people are comfortable. Exactly. Work together. Exactly. Wherever that magical place is. Yeah, wherever that may be, right? And <laughs> yeah. and recognizing, you know, that there's still gonna be missteps. And yeah. so and so with each misstep we get to decide, we get to see if there's a pattern. Is there a pattern here? Is right. there like, you know, is this is this an acceptable pattern? for me? Like, is this yep. something that I can learn to work with? Or is this like really an unacceptable pattern for me? Is this a deal breaker? Like, right. yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, you know, and we're never, ever, ever going to be able to get to that place of figuring that stuff out. If we don't first be able, if we aren't first able to take that half step back, go, okay, my shit's kicked up. And it's not this guy's fault, right? It's not this person's fault. This is, you know, this this happened long before they came along, right? Mm -hmm. And, okay, and now I get to communicate with them or I have the opportunity to communicate with them. And if we don't communicate, which trauma tells us, right? Typically, our childhood experiences tell us you don't communicate your your wants, your needs. Your Your needs are not welcome here. Yeah, like we're, we're told that. And so it is really um, challenging and scary to then even say something so simple as, you know, I get really freaked out when you're running late and you haven't texted me and to just let me know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And, absolutely. And just saying that it's like, well, that's an easy enough thing to say. Why wouldn't you just be able to say that? And it's like, no, that's like, I am burying my soul to you right yeah, now. Right? That's what it feels like. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then it takes a few times of people being like, oh, okay, that totally right. makes sense. I don't want that for you. Let me, ha- let me, right. that, that, and that is so healing. Yeah. It is. That, and that's that 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 continues the healing, right? Is allowing right. another person to actually show up for you in a healing yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh God, it just goes miles. It's huge. Yeah. It is. It is so and it's like and it's it is. It's so funny how and and well, funny might might not be the right word. Interesting, perhaps, sad. Yeah. I don't know. Um <laughs> For me, in my personal experiences, how little of that it actually takes, how little of that, like being being seen and being heard for me to be like, okay, we're good. A hundred percent. It's crazy. You know, I'm not asking people to like go to the moon and back here. You know, it's like really simple things. And when they're able to do that, it's like, I, I... whole new brain gets to come alive. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And you know, and sometimes it is easy for them, right? And sometimes it's hard for them because sometimes your trauma rubs up against someone else's trauma, right? right? So if, you know, if the person you're talking to had a really controlling mother and was like, and like this triggers the fuck out of them, then like you're, you've got some work to do. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, let's talk about, okay. So Let's talk about cultural, cultural okay. relational trauma. Is how so you, I've renamed it actually renamed to collective. It. I yeah, I just re- well, just this has been a year in the works, but uh-huh. <laughs> actually just started changing all of my stuff. Um, so I call it now collective relational trauma. Right. But w- what that is is essentially the way our greater, the greater collective, our greater culture, the patriarchy. You know. Um, white supremacy, authoritarianism, ableism, you know, all of those things, um, impact the ways that we relate with other people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we get messaging that there is a, um, right kind of person to be right. So male, white, 
relatively wealthy, able-bodied, um, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, aesthetically pleasing, Uh intelligent, you know, like that. I mean, we can list all the things, right. So there's this, this mythical ideal, um, that all of us are trained to strive for. Yes. You know, you want to be successful and this is what success looks like, right? Success is defined um, for us. Mm-hmm. And so, and for women, this is, and like, and for women, right. It may not be male, right. Cause that's the, the, the white man is the, you know, the tip of the top of the hierarchy. Right. But you know, for women, this is, um, you know, skinny, white yoga, yoga, yeah. bendy, right. We call her, we, we, you know, in our circles, we call her the, the female, we call her a flab, which is right. um, the female lifestyle empowerment brand. This is the, right. this is the thing that you see yeah. on Instagram all over. These are the influencers, right? right. The lifestyle brand. The lifestyle people. brand people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so we have this um, ideal of the way we're supposed to be. So quote ideal that we are told that is how we are supposed to want to be. Right. Right. And we internalize this message. And then, um, and then that impacts us in multiple ways. One of the ways it impacts us is the way we relate to ourselves. So I'm not good enough. I'm too much. I take up too much space. I'm too loud. I'm too stupid. I'm too, I'm not pretty enough. Right. I mean, you know, what, whatever. Too much. My legs are too this. My arms aren't this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all, all the all the ways, right? I don't have the right career. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm a horrible partner. I'm like, you know, all of that shows up, right? So yeah. that's how we're relating to ourselves, which then bleeds out in how we relate to others because we're so fucking judgmental of ourselves that then we start being really judgmental of others. Um I believe I'm still kind of digging into how this impacts our relationships across race and how yeah. this, you know, impacts our relationships across sexuality and, you know, all of that. And I believe it does. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. All, that, it's yep. all that messaging. Right. Yep. And, and because we don't feel like we're worthy or deserving or good enough or, or that we are way too much, then we don't ask for our wants. We don't ask for our needs and we don't know how, because we're never taught how. Right. And so we can't be vulnerable with other people. And, and the way we get to getting our needs or wants met is by demanding them and by being, you know, really forceful and aggressive about it or being completely passive and like stuffing everything down. Right. We kind of go. Right. Because. Yeah. So like asking directly would be sort of an assertive nature, right? Like there's no, there's no, there's no wrong here. There's, you're not, you're no better than me. I'm no better than you. This is simply just something that I need. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then when we can't be assertive, when there's a, when there's a power differential, either perceived or actual, right. Right. uh, or in, especially internalized, we become aggressive, right? Because yeah. we prove that we're actually worthy. So yeah. fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or we're passive because we because we feel that we are so unworthy. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and I think most of us bounce back and forth between those two. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's yeah. pretty typical. In some situations, we're passive. In other situations, we're aggressive. And um. And that is different from, as you said, being assertive and being vulnerable and being like, you know, I, I actually need you to pick your socks up off the floor. Right. Like, just, and, and, and this is why you like, it makes me feel this way and, you know, and whatever, you know, all the things, right. Mm-hmm. But we have to one, be able to recognize why them leaving their fucking socks on the floor is making us feel the way it feels. Right. Yes. Yeah. We have to acknowledge that. We have yeah. to be able to tune into that. We have to, instead of go, and so being able to do that ask, right? Instead of saying, you're a fucking slob, you never pick up your socks, you're such an asshole, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I've been there. Like, so, oh. <laughs> you know. 100%. But, and this is where self, 
uh, knowledge really, I mean, it's so important, right? I always tell the story. I don't know if I've told it before on the podcast, but I have friends that were in, we were in group couples therapy with, right? Uh-huh. And we did Imago therapy and she came for an Imago dialogue talking about, um, the t- changing the toilet paper roll, how he didn't change the toilet paper roll. And I was like, really, we're going to have a fucking dialogue about this. Like, are you fucking kidding me? It's the fucking to- like, really? Well, and then it went on and it turns right. out that, you know, her brother was always treated like a prince, never asked, you know, any, nobody ever asked anyone, anything of him. He, you know, her whole life, she felt like she was there to just simply serve the men in mm-hmm. her family. Um, and she's in an Indian family. So it was, you know, there was all sorts of stuff there. And by the end of the, by the end of the dialogue, we were all in tears, like, oh my God, like, of course this bothers you. Right. Bothers you on such a like unbearably deep level. Yeah. Higher sort of, you know, and, and this is her husband that she's asking about. So she doesn't want to feel that way with her husband. Right. But the level of self-awareness that would have to come for her to be able to dig into why him, otherwise she's just like, fuck you, change the toilet paper roll and she's the nag and she's the bitch. Right. Right. Right? And when we get to that level of self-awareness about like, why is that triggering me? Sure. Is it a pain in the ass? Is it a little like entitled that he doesn't change the toilet paper roll? Sure. Yeah. Sure. We could, we could make a story that like, dude, change the fucking toilet paper roll. Yeah. But the more important part is the depth of her own self-awareness, right. which opens up compassion in other people. Right. Right. Including the people we're intimate, you know, our partners. Right. right. right? Her husband has never not changed a toilet paper roll since. Right. Right. They're of still course. married. They're happily yeah. married. And I checked in with them last time I saw them like a month ago. And I was like, and this is, this is 10 years later, by the way, to 12 years later. And they're like, oh yeah, no, we're t- I have, I have never not changed the toilet paper roll. Yeah. Right. Like that's it. Problem solved. Right. Right. Yeah. And it required the self-awareness. It required right. being able to have the, do the ask. It required, right. It required that vulnerability. It, like yeah. all of that, all of that. Yeah. And that's what I was bringing it up was the self-awareness because we can't make the ask if right. we don't know why we're asking. Right. Otherwise Absolutely. we're just in our reptilian brain reacting. Yeah. And it just I'm going to die because you didn't change the fucking toilet paper roll. Right. I mean, that's, that's literally what, what, what our system is saying. Like you're going to die because this isn't happening. Even though our front brain's going, you're a fucking idiot. What do you mean? You're not going to die from him not changing the goddamn toilet paper roll, right? But yeah, but our entire system is like, nope. This is this is life or death. Yep, exactly. And when you come at when you come at toilet paper rolls like it's life or death, you look fucking crazy. Yes. <laughs> the other person is just their only response is you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But when you come at toilet paper rolls of like my childhood wounding and my trauma. Right. You know, it's not so crazy anymore. Right. Right. It makes sense then. It makes perfect sense. Right. So let's go back to this collective piece, right? Because okay. we sort of, sorry, I, I derailed us. No. Back to the collective piece about how it impacts our relationships cross-culturally. So, right. So, so when we're oppressed in whatever ways we're oppressed and we're all oppressed and one, you know, some to more degrees than others, right? Um, then that, then we are in a, we are in survival mode then because it is, we are competing for resources. We are competing. Um, well, we're competing for resources, all resources, be that food, jobs, housing, um, love, attention, right? All of that. We're in competition. Yeah. Um, because there is, uh, with oppression comes this, uh, comes that scarce mentality idea that there's only so much pie yes. and it can only be cut into so many pieces. And, you know, if Sue comes in and tries to take a piece, well, that's one less piece for you. And it's like, the reality is, well, sure, there are some resources that are finite. That is a true statement, right? Hello, mm-hmm. climate change, right? Um, and also, it's also kind of bullshit. Right. Um, 
and love is not a finite resource. Right. It's not, it's not acceptance, Mm -hmm. compassion, um, you know, caring, none of those are finite resources. Um, and so where the, so we're in a, we're in a collective right now where the status quo is individualism and everybody's out for themselves. You know, you got to take care of yourself and you can't rely on anyone else and all the bullshit. Right. And where we want to shift to or get back to is the idea of, no, we're all in this together. Actually. Can I just, can I just point out that we're literally living this right now Yes, with the coronavirus and everyone's stockpiling toilet paper, like why? But all of the, (laughs) all of the, you know, the hand sanitizer, which means that, so you have 70 bottles of hand sanitizer in your house, but the people that you're going to come in contact with PS don't have any hand sanitizer. So you're not actually protecting yourself. But this is not about the greater good. This isn't about the collective. This is about the individual. Now you've got 70 bottles of hand sanitizer and other people who may be less fortunate than you don't have any. Right. Right. I mean, hospitals, hospitals Hospitals are here are, I don't know what they're doing anywhere else, but I know here I'm in Seattle for those who don't know, um, have, have had to post, we don't have any masks. Right. You don't, you don't get any face masks. We are not giving those to anyone ever. Yeah. And they don't have them. And that's, and that's and because they, and they don't have them. Because the you know, Joe Bob in wherever has a stockpile of them in his garage for what? And now doctors and nurses don't have them. Right. Right. <sighs> we could go on about yeah. that for another hour. We could. Um, for sure. But I want to touch briefly, um, we're coming up on, we're, we're going long, but I want to touch briefly on how um, our trauma manifests, how it, how it actually impacts our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a lot of talk in um, our Facebook group, um, which for those of you guys who don't know, um, Gwen is in, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> uh, you should also join hers, which we will link in the show notes and also follow her on Instagram because she's got some smart ass shit that she posts. <laughs> Seriously, for me, I had chronic back pain for for three and a half years, and when I ended my marriage, it stopped. Shock, right? right? And there are women in there. There was a great thread. I don't know if you saw it of women just like listing all of their all of their ailments, and they're like autoimmune dis uh, things that just vanished when they got divorced, or right, like serious serious shit. Yeah, yeah. So. So it, it, so when we're in that survival mode, our cortisol levels are through the roof. Our adrenaline is hot, you know, is constantly being pumped. Eventually how that then works is that we stop producing cortisol because we've overproduced it. So now, so then we underproduce it, right? The same is true with adrenaline. So, um, so those who don't know, these are stress hormones. Yeah. These are the stress hormones. Right. And so, um, and, and the production of, of our stress hormones is also, you know, it's, it's necessary, they're necessary actually for our day-to-day living. It's not yeah. just like, you know, oh, I'm freaking out that that's when we get a, a burst of them, but we actually need cortisol to keep going. Right. But, and when we're flooded with these hormones constantly, then that shows up as muscle pain, as joint pain. It shows up as inflammation, shows up as migraines. It shows up as um, chronic fatigue. Um, it shows up as, uh, what, are, what are some of the other things? Um, con- like being like auto immune issues in that being really susceptible to colds, to flus, to, you know, the everyday ailments that we have. People develop allergies. Um, people can develop asthma. Uh, you know, there's, there have been a couple of studies that have linked um, specific types of trauma to specific types of cancers. Um, specifically sexual trauma and reproductive cancers. Uh Um, Right. And so this is all like, um, so it does, it all impacts the body like long-term and can, and can be some of these things are like not reversible. Some of these things we can't just, you know, we leave the marriage and then, Oh, we're all better. 
it can it can get better, right? Right. Um, but like things like, you know, one of the first things I have my um my individual clients get checked or tell me about is their thyroid. What's going on with your thyroid? Interesting. Like, I need to know what your thyroid levels are here because um, if they're not at a good level, we can do all the damn nervous system work you want and it's not gonna touch you. Like wow. Because you need medication, like you right. need to be able to have your thyroid right. functioning appropriately, right? Right. Um, and for those who don't know, hyper and hypothyroidism both cause anxiety. One of the um, symptoms of them is is extreme anxiety, um, along with you know a myriad of other things, right? But right. Um, but like, I I can't help you with your anxiety if your thyroid's not working, right? Right. Right. It's like <laughs> you're, it's just, if you're having a chemical imbalance yeah. that is that is yeah. generating anxiety you can't fix it with with trauma work yeah i can't fix it with you know doing some you know simple lip tap things or you know whatever whatever exercises we work with but um yeah so i think it's really important to remember that we that we need to be um we need to be taking care of our bodies medically as well as mentally, emotionally, psychologically, right? You know, there's, they, they go together and one isn't going to cure the other, mm-hmm. but together we need that holistic approach. Holistic, um, yes. And, and it's like really, like, that's a really vital thing for me with my clients is like, you gotta be, you gotta be taking your thyroid meds right. or you gotta be taking, you know, or whatever, you know, medications they need to take. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I just think that's really important. I I mean, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Right. Right. Because you can't be putting on a bandaid on something and then it's like you're putting a bandaid on and then like lifting it up and cutting and then putting the bandaid back over and then lifting it up and cutting it. Like it it doesn't, it's not working. Well, and in the immortal, immortal words of Taylor Swift, band-aids don't fix bullet holes. (laughs) Right. But they don't. I mean, like, that's, that's simply true. Like, you know, and, and most of, for most of us, our trauma is a bunch of bullet holes. Lots of bullet holes. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, so we need, we need the both. We need the both and. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. Gwen, thank you so much for coming and talking to us about all of these things. And so where can people find you? Um, you can find, I'm most active on Instagram. That is where I'm most active and I'm Gwen Raimundi. Um, do you want me to spell it out? It'll be linked in the show notes. Okay. It's linked. Uh, So, um, so that's where I'm most active. I'm also on Facebook. Um, my quote, um, personal page is basically all public. I also have a business page and then I have a group um, all on Facebook and the group is called trauma informed embodiment. Um, and you can request to join and I will likely let you in unless you just joined Facebook two days ago and then I won't let you in. But, <laughs> so those are the big places. I write a newsletter every week ish. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, you know, ish. I know, um, I know. me too, ish. <laughs> you know, something's really good and it comes out every week for a good stretch of time. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting to it this week. But anyways, um, so there's that. I work with folks individually. I work virtually. So remotely. this is the important thing. You work remotely. I yeah. work remotely. Yeah. So, um, so all my individual clients I see via Zoom. Um, I offer groups throughout the year. Sometimes we meet, sometimes we meet via zoom, depending on the group. Like I have a sexual trauma survivors group. When is that one starting? That starts on March 16th. Um, we're going not, live on March 31st. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's, well, all right. Um, but I offer that every year. Uh, so that's a, that's an annual offering. And then I offer, um, what I call embodied, they're called embodied writing groups, uh, four times a year. And I have, um, the next one is actually going to be on relationships and relating, um, with other people. And that starts either end of April or end of May. Great. Okay. One good. of those two. One of those two. Um, 
but and that's a start, seven week thing. And if you follow, if you follow Gwen anywhere and you join a yeah. group, whatever, you'll, you'll hear about it. You'll know yeah. about it. And I have a website, of course, like everyone does. And that's just my name.com. So yep. right. not literally my name. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> All right. Um, I adore you. I'm so happy that we got to talk about this stuff. I'm sure there's so much more we could talk about, but we are definitely out of time. And, okay. um, but you know, uh, for those of you who are in the Facebook group, Gwen is in there too. So yeah. Um, you know, as all my, as all my favorite people <laughs> tend to be. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you. All right, my love. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.